welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Main Street Business Podcast with yours truly, Mark Kohler and the amazing Matt Sorensen. Yes, now Mark and I are together in Phoenix, but separate, separate, but together. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we're we, there's a microphone issue if we're in the same room together. Also, we just kind of get out of control. Um, they need to yeah, put us separate boxes. Yeah, it's it's safer this way for everybody. Yeah. Um, but we do, we are building a studio here in Phoenix, so pretty soon you'll see a little some studio appearances down here. But um, today's topic is awesome. It's one that Mark and I have done ourselves. A lot of our clients have done it over the years. We want to talk about buying a building for your business. Love it. And every, and, and I would say that's the, yeah. So should I rent my own building to my own business? And some of you may see the wisdom in that right out of the gate, but there are things to be aware of. What is, how does the IRS treat it? What if I, what do I do with the depreciation and the write-offs and the losses? Is there a gain? Uh, We had an interesting situation where a client, this week was told by their accountant, you can't do that. You can't rent your own building. We're like, um, squeeze me? What, what, what planet are you on? I'm, I missed that part. So, uh, they didn't out on the CPA exam. Lots of smart people are doing this. Um, yeah. So, um, but there's lots of great reasons to do it. We're going to walk you through those today and um, just dig into it because there's great financial reasons for it, some stability, um, long-term wealth building, of course. And um, of course, some tax perks. Yeah. And I want to, I'm going to just throw this out because I'm sitting here looking at the Oculus that we are going to mail out to our virtual winner from the Crypto Tax Summit last weekend, which was a huge success. want to thank any of you that participated in that. We're going to be holding another yeah. just on crypto taxation on May 21st. We have a legal summit. Crypto Summit will be announcing short, soon, shortly, soon. But here's the big takeaway from that conference as well. There's a lot of people using profits from crypto to buy real estate. And this could be a great place to put some of that money. There's a lot of people taking profits from real estate and diversifying and deploying it over in the crypto space. Of course, we have the ETFs and the Wall Street mechanisms and all these other things that are, I think, important in a well-diversified portfolio. So we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're... what do we, we're, we're team players. We're do a little of everything, right? Is that how you say it? We're yeah. <laughs> bipartisan. Yeah. Yeah. Bipartisan, non-denominational, you know, whatever, whatever um, wealth building tools you worship, we're okay with. We're yeah. okay with. Yeah. And, and I would say this, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm. And so that's why I think this, this podcast is a good one too, is because all of us, we hope those, listening to this podcast are business owners. That's the purpose of this podcast. And so <laughs> being a business owner is also being typically a, a rental property owner because we want to diversify our portfolio, own some rental real estate, wealthy people own real estate. There's an equation there that's some yeah. time tested. Yeah. And I always, I've, I've told this story before, but I just remember this is this aha moment, you know, was that with Oprah? Oprah aha moments, you know, yeah, yeah. those are good. Um, I was like, I just had done like, you know, a bunch of estate planning consults with clients and in our estate plan, we do a questionnaire and we kind of want to know what you got, what are your assets and ask some questions, you know, it's a little personal, what's your income and such. I just had client after client. These are our regular clients. 
They're making maybe 100, 200 grand a year, not shooting the lights out, but doing okay. And, but they got millions in assets. And so what did they all have in common? They owned a business, they had rental real estate, and they funded their retirement accounts regularly. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Love it. And if you do those things, you're going to get to the end of the game here and be like, I'm going to have a comfortable retirement account. I don't really care what social security is. I don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and then everything else is bells and whistles. I mean, we love Dave Ramsey talking about pay down strategies on mortgages, staying out of debt. And it doesn't mean Wall Street's completely evil and ETFs and some good, well-balanced funds can make sense, but it's a, it's a overall approach. And so I've said for years, you should be looking for a rental every year. So that brings us to today. If I'm looking for a rental property, Matt Sorensen, what is your first best rental property? For a business owner, it's the building you're already paying rent on, <laughs> or maybe one next door down the street. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're already shelling money out this to someone else, building their equity in that real estate. They're getting the appreciation in that real estate. They're getting the tax write-offs on that real estate, and you're funding it all. Damn you. Yeah. Do it yourself. Own it yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what people go, well, I'm in this big building and there's some cachet and I, I, you know, I'd like the image of this big building. Well, you know what, really put, put a dollar value on that. Could you move down the street? I'm not saying you move into a strip mall next to little Caesars, but maybe <laughs> you can find a business condo development. Matt, I've got a hand. Dude, but the part. crazy bread next door. I mean, if you got a you know, snack in the afternoon, you want some crazy bread. That's, that's true. That's true. That. Yeah. They have pizza on demand. Yeah, they did. Hot and ready. Hot. <laughs> Hot <and> ready. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I'm well, let me that. say this because I've been like where Mark is sitting right now. We own that office condo. It's in a nice professional office. If you want that too, you can maybe have that. Think of the office condominiums. Then our law firm rents that from us. Yeah. We don't want to pay someone else. Yeah. And I was gonna. I, I wanted to hand it to Matt. I um. We learn from each other and. Mostly Matt learns from me, but once in a while, um, I learned from- <laughs> that's true. That's- no, but back in the day, Matt really spearheaded this. And frankly, in our partnership, we divide and conquer. Yeah. He's the genius behind this. Like he's always looking at, we need to quit paying rent here. Let the- and, and Matt would go out and um, look for business complexes that are condominiumized. You can be in a four-story building, a 10-story building. A yeah. One, you doesn't have to be a strip mall or a warehouse. They're out there. And once you get a hold of a realtor that's a commercial realtor and that knows what you're looking for, you can have the same thing as a tenant, yeah. but own it. Yeah. And we picked that one up that Mark's sitting at. I'm in the space next door at Directed IRA, which we do actually lease. But that one we picked up in a short sell too. And so right now, actually... We've had huge real estate rises in the residential and multifamily, but commercial is still a good bargain, actually. Yeah. Commercial is a good bargain because a lot of people, the big companies had people go home and some of them are trying to stay that way. And so there's opportunity, I think, good bargains to be had right now while rates are still low too, because we're going to want to talk about getting the loans on it also. And totally. And now this is topic one today. Should you do it and why? Now we're going to get into... What, how do you write it off and some of the legal issues of protection and how to keep things separate so that if your business gets sued, they can't get the building. We're going to come to that. 
But last point on this is an example. And due to Matt, Matt's, you know, leading the way for me, his example was I was paying rent in four locations up in Idaho. I had our studio. I had um, two storage units and an RV storage uh, situation. And I was like, what the hell? I added it up and it was well over $1,000 a month paying rent to other people. And then I had a rental property. And some of you have heard this on a prior podcast. I had a rental property with an empty lot in the back, a duplex, but the lot was just there. It was just weeds. I mean, I didn't even have it grassed up for the tenants. I'm kind of cheap that way, but I mean, it was just there. And so I went to the city. They said, yep, you can get a building permit for a 3000 square foot heated warehouse with a, an apartment inside of it with high speed internet. I built my own freaking warehouse. And now all of those renter payments, I didn't tell you, man, it's about six weeks out. They're drywalling yeah. right now as we speak. So I'm going to be able to move all of those assets and those operations into that warehouse. And now I'm paying rent to myself, building equity. And the building is already worth more than what the bill, the steel building cost 18 months ago when I put down the down payment because of yeah. construction material. So anyway, it's, it's just every day. Yeah. Consider it, people. Find it. it let, me, be warehouse. Anyway. let me hit a couple considerations. Cause I want you to analyze this and you got to run the numbers. So right now we're assuming you're paying rent. Okay. Or you're maybe going from a home office and you're like, I really need to go legit and get a, a storefront or an actual office. And you're making that jump. Do I buy or do I rent? Or and you have equipment. I need warehousing. I need yes. real, yeah. anything. But you've got money that you're going to have to pay for this if you don't buy it yourself. And it's it's a similar thing of like, do I rent a home? Do I buy a home? So, um, so you, you want to run the numbers on what you can purchase. Um, and you're gonna have a certain amount you're gonna need to put down, of course. And generally you can get a loan for the balance. There's SBA loans for that. But when you're running those numbers, I just want to make a couple of cautionary points because this is something we've learned in the process. The numbers get better after time. When you analyze it right now, it actually is it may not look as amazing as it's gonna be in five years and 10 years. Because yeah, there's a couple of what's that? It could be sixes on the yeah. cash. You could be break even. But yeah. what's happening? Let's think of what else is happening. You might be like, but man, I could, it's cost me the same to buy the property, you know, as it is to rent. Oh, that's a win. Buy. Yeah. Because what do you get? You, on the one hand, if you rent um, and you don't buy, rent's going to go up over time. That's a cost you're going to have to pay anyways. Yeah. And you're not paying it yourself. But if I buy and rents go up, <laughs> Great, I'm paying myself, right? <laughs> yep. I fixed the debt that I owe on it. That's going down as I'm looking at the payments going in. It's not rent going to some other landlord paying down their loan. It's going to my loan, and it's going and my loan's going down. And then, of course, the awesome one: the appreciation that's happening. This property is going to be appreciating over time. Yeah. And so, so Hold remember. It. There's more, even if, even if, yeah, there's more, even if it sucks right now, though, I'm just saying on the numbers, you're like, it's barely break even, or maybe it costs a little more. It gets better though, over time. Just remember that think yeah. through it five, 10 year horizon, 20. And, and, and think of the, a couple other ancillary benefits. One, there's no one to negotiate with when you want to remodel, when you want to do TI, when you want to change structurally, what you're trying to do, you get to make the call. You're it's your place. Also, Let's talk lending, Matt, SBA loans. What yeah. did you find out on that? That was really helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, we we did two different on each of our properties we that we bought 
Mark and I together, um, we've done SBA loans on them. Um, there's different ones you can get depending on how much you're wanting to do, but um, you know, SBA loans can be a very affordable. The rates are extremely low. Um, you know, you're getting sub five percent right now, which is amazing on on SBA loans. Um, and you know, you're you're putting down. You know, you still might need to put ten percent down on those. Um, in some instances, twenty percent. But a lot of times, you can get away with ten percent down on these SBA loans. And um, and you know, they're going to want your financials to make sure you're a legit business that's going to operate it. Now, they're going to give you some structuring options too. And we want to talk about how to do it in the entities. Because I think a lot of people think, well, Matt, and there's this misconception I had with a client a while back that was like, well, I'm buying um, this property for my business, but I'm getting the SBA loan in my business, my S Corp. But but you've told me I want to put it in my LLC. And we're going to talk about this in a second. That's okay. The SBA is going to let you move it into different entities here with your business being the tenant in it. So they're okay with that. I just want to lay that out is like, the SBA knows how people structure this, which we're going to touch on here in a moment. So you can be the, the borrower for your operating business, but put it in a separate entity that you own. Yeah. And why I like the SBA option is it puts you in a different lane at the bank or a diff- because if you're just going to go buy a residential rental, SBA they don't care. That's not a small business. And it's just, you're going to go with the typical lending route. Yeah. And, um, and if you're not living in the home, it's going to be an altogether different equation. But then on the other hand, if you go, well, I'm going to go buy a commercial building that I'm not living in, and I'm going to go down commercial lending routes. I'm sorry, not living in work. My business isn't the tenant. So I'm going to go buy out and buy a commercial building. Um, they're not built for the small business, though you're going to go through a commercial lending route. The SBA is that special lane where they want to help small business owners own their own building. And there's loans built just for that. So you can get away with a lower down payment, still secure a great interest rate. I mean, this whole loan program is built for this. Yeah. And people don't even know it exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Now you do have to personally guarantee it. That's one thing. So if you own 20% or more of the business, you do have to personally guarantee it. So don't think you're getting out of that, but that's okay. This is an asset. You're going to have equity in it. You're going to want it. You're not going to want to walk, walk away from it. And who's your best tenant, Matt? Well, for most of us, it's us. <laughs> Maybe some of you like to party and, you know, tear up your rentals, but uh, you know, you're your best tenant. You are, you, you really are. And I think you know, and Mark talked about like, you know, you want to remodel, remodel, you don't need anybody's approval, do what you want to do. Also just think of in leases. And I've had this with many small business clients over the years. They basically get kicked out of their location. They don't have another option to renew on their lease. Landlord's going in a different direction, or maybe they've sold the building and it's a new landlord and they want to do something else. And even if there was a rent increase, you didn't, you like, you didn't have a chance to agree to anything. You're just out. And I think some businesses love the certainty of owning the building. No one can kick me out. I have the certainty I can be here for as long as I freaking want. Another perspective, retirement savings. I've had so many clients that the real estate their business is in becomes more valuable than the business. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of times we as business owners, we are the business. And when we want to sell it, we think it's worth more, but it's really not because we want to leave. But what what are we sitting on? Freaking real estate. And this is where the TV, you know, the movie uh, Founder uh, with Michael Keaton oh, yeah. <laughs> went through McDonald's. Yeah. Um, early on, they realized 
you're not in the hamburger business. You're in the real estate business. Yes. I love that moment in the yeah. movie. Even though Michael Keaton, oh, he played the role so bad you hated him at the end. But yeah, <laughs> you know, and on a personal note, I'm going to say this because I want to give a shout out to my father who passed away about eight years ago. Um, my dad was a microbiologist. Um, he he was a, a nerd's nerd, kind of like in the test tube world. I'm kind of in the financial world. But when I told, said him I was going to go to law school, you know, he passed out. And, you know, every doctor, you know, my, my son's going to be a lawyer. It's going to work. Yeah. You know, anyway, but um, so anyway, <laughs> when my dad um, was running his laboratories, because he was a microbiologist and chemist and all that, he bought the buildings everywhere he went. And ultimately he sold the labs, but the real value was in all that real estate. And, and as, you know, as a teenager and a young 20 something, you look at your parents and like, oh, you're kind of smart. And then as I started my career, I started more and more to go, oh my gosh, he was a genius. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, it's just, it's a part of retirement savings. Yeah. That's, he wasn't just good at microbiology, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, the um, legal protection. So yeah. you, you go ahead. You brought it up. Yeah. So many of you in your operating business, we want you to be an S corporation. And if you'd like, why do you want that? Well, we got to learn our podcasts on that. We can't get yeah. into it today, but generally in your operating business, you're going to be an S corporation. Don't buy the building, your real estate in the same S corporation. Okay. We don't want to do that. Generally, we don't like real estate and S corps anyways, but also we want to separate it for liability purposes. Let's put it in a separate LLC. That way, if something happens in the operating business, customer comes in and slips and falls, they sue the operating business. They can't go over to the assets you're holding, your LLC that owns the building. I actually did a, this is, you know, there's some moments in the dark side when, you know, the real estate market fell off, you know, just totally crashed. And I, we did do some personal injury cases. And I had one of these actually of somebody who operating business um, employee is actually an employee. And there's a lot of workers comp issues, but fell big lawsuit issue, but the business owner had put the property in a separate LLC, limiting a lot of their risks and, and stuff. And all that equity in this building was totally protected from what was happening here. Yeah. And so um, I was like, ah, smart move guy. Um, but, but so what, that's what we want to do here is we want to separate where we have risks and liabilities in our operating business from where we're building assets and equity and long-term wealth stuff in an LLC. Okay. Love it. And the uh, devil is in the details on that example, because Matt hit a wall. This owner had set up a separate entity, had the real estate in it. That's cool. But there's a famous golden nugget story we'd love to tell, but it's beyond the scope <laughs> today, where if you co-mingle or you don't respect the separation, yeah. that real estate is completely susceptible. And Matt had a huge win in a, in a story we love to tell that takes a lot of time, but where he was able to pierce that other entity and get to their assets because they had commingled. Now, what are examples of that? If you have an LLC with a rental and you're the tenant in your business, create a freaking lease agreement. And you're like, well, if I'm the, I'm the landlord and the tenant. I don't care. Yeah. The SBA will make you do it. If you do an SBA loan, they're going to make you do it anyways. Mm. So, which is good. They actually make you jump through the hoops, but if you don't do the SBA loan and you're funding with cash or private lender, you do seller financing, whatever. Yeah. You got to document that. Yeah. 
and got to actually pay next. the rent every month like you're yeah. a tenant. <laughs> exactly. And where do you think we're going next? We're going to talk about the IRS in a moment. But, yeah. but they care about this too. Yeah, they, they do. do. They do. <laughs> Where's your lease agreement? My what? Okay. Never want to say I that. rent. Do you rent this from yourself? Because you yeah. said you did didn't on I, your taxes. <laughs> didn't I email that to you? Yeah. Let me let me go get that. Um, run around the corner with your head cut off. Okay. So you need a lease agreement. Uh, it needs to be fair market value because you want it to look legit, which is fine. Uh, you want to make sure that you're actually making the payments to that separate bank account of the LLC, like Matt said. If you pay for maintenance, if you do management, if you do any fix-up or cleanup that would normally be the landlord's duty, don't have your employees of the business doing it. A lawyer's going to smell that a mile away. And so you want to create, create separation. Some clients of mine even actually use a third-party property manager for that. You know, They do the landscaping, they do the snow removal and da-da-da. And they're like, it's just easier that way because I don't want to get my regular employees sucked into that. So separation, you're doing your minutes, you're maintaining the LLC, you've got a bank account, you're doing tax return. All those little things are what creates that wall that Matt ran into in that first example. Yeah. And we like the wall. Let's be clear. We like the wall that protects yes. you. All right. It's this like security blanket you put over yourself. It makes you feel good. You know, mm. um, yeah. you want ass. me on that wall. You, you need me on that wall. <laughs> you're damn right I did. You're damn right. Yeah. You don't talk about it in quiet places, but you want me there. You need that wall. <laughs> and I love it that we got a, a sweet, a few good men quote in. That's a great one. Jack, that's for you. We love you. Um, I heard, I heard in the, um, on the news, uh, TMZ that he, um, he did that in one take. Mm. I heard he flew in for that take that day and freaking just, just nailed it. Just nailed it. Everybody was like, Holy. he must've just like walked out of there, like ultimate mic drop and just been like, <laughs> yeah. just give me an Oscar already. Yeah. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon are standing there going, wow, that's, I want to be like him. <laughs> You know, how much did he get paid for that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. He freaking, now I don't know if that's true, but I heard that. Okay. All right. Now we, so that's asset protection. Now taxes. Mm. Okay. This is where first let's do easy. I'm going to do the easy layup, Matt, and then throw you an alley-oop and see where okay. you go. I was hoping okay. for the easy layup when we started on taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you can do this. So because right. um, Matt uses this strategy on his tax return. So here's the easy layup first. If your account tells you you can't pay rent to yourself and write it off, your accountant is absolutely wrong, bordering on malpractice, and has got to amend your return, and they're a freaking idiot. And I hate to be that blunt, but it is okay to pay yourself rent. I don't care if you're a Schedule C. I don't care if you're an S-Corp. I don't care if they're in separate entities or not. You're paying rent, you get a write-off. We want to document it properly, and there's a lot of little ancillary strategies there, but don't let anybody tell you that a self-rental is not a write-off. How the write-off plays out on your tax return is called the self-rental rule, but you can yeah. always write it off. Matt, do you write off the rent you pay yourself? Absolutely. Oh Absolutely. So it's still an expense, so you'll be expensing this. Let's go into the S-Corp LLC. S-Corp is expensing it, taking a deduction for rental expense. You're picking up income over in your LLC, all right, that, that owns the rental. Now, the LLC that owns the rental, what other expenses does it have? You got some mortgage interest. 
maybe some maintenance costs, depreciation. Mm, the big okay. D. Yeah, the big D. <laughs> All right. And so we've got these expenses over here. You might have a loss over here on your rental. You may not. You might have a gain. I don't know. Depends on, you know, some we're going to go there. Factors. We'll talk about that. But absolutely, you're going to be expensing it in your business. And that's a misconception. And Mark said at the beginning that we've seen people run into. And sometimes it's accountants that know a little bit, but they don't know a lot. They don't know enough. And they get they get tripped up themselves in this stuff. So, yeah. so we don't want someone to stop from buying their own building or their own property to be their tenant in the business. We love that strategy. Don't get caught up in this. Be careful. You're going to still expense it. There's some nuance and stuff you may want to know, but it is minor. It is the minor tax limitations. Totally. Now, Matt, we've got other podcasts on expenses and writing off rental property, and you might need a four-wheeler to push snow around your building. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might need a drone to take pictures of your rental properties and you know the roof, check on, on a regular mm-hmm. basis. You might need a kick-butt security system. You might need some other fun things that are business related for that rental and mm-hmm. might need some new tools, you know, a generator, yeah. some heaters. I mean, so this is where the rental management comes with wonderful tax strategies as well, because you just created another business and all the expenses related to that rental property are a write-off. So let's track them. Let's take advantage of every little freaking thing we can. Okay. Here's your alley-oop, Matt. Self-rental rule. We're going to come to the 198, 199A too, because this is a big issue out there. Some of you that know the QBI deduction. Um, Let's say, Matt, you pay rent from your business to the rental LLC, and it creates a loss after depreciation, mortgage interest, all the cool write-offs, the four-wheeler, the, you know, you need all that stuff for your rental property. You create a loss. What is the uh, rule there? Okay, let's assume you own 100% of the businesses on each side. You own 100% of the rental, you own 100% of the operating business, okay? Um, and let's say you get a loss over here, okay, in the, in the, on the property in the LLC. Now, if you get a loss, generally, you can use that loss to offset other gains on other rental properties. In the typical world, you could do that. Yeah. But this self-rental rule limits that loss and says, eh, we're going to lock that loss up on this property alone. It's still there, but we're not going to let you move it over to that duplex rental you have that had a gain to offset the gain over there. We're going to bottle it up over here to be used just against this self-rental property. And some of you may ask, when you go to sell that rental property, the self-rental, you get to tap into that loss. It's a carry forward loss. And I like how Matt said that, locked into that building. You'll get it someday if you ever try to, you try to sell. You may It may help you from having to do a 1031 exchange, a charitable remainder trust, you can avoid all that because you've got this carry forward loss. You've been just accumulating over the years that when you go to sell the rental, I'm going to cash that in first. Now, what if I'm a real estate professional? Can I take that loss on my self-rental? No. Mm. Now, generally you would think, Matt, but I get rental real estate losses. I can use them against any income. I'm a real estate professional. Not here, my friend. Not, here, not on your self-rental. Not on the self-rental. That, again, is bottled up, locked in on this property alone. Yep. Okay. Now, this is where we get more technical. The way, the best way around this, and usually it's kind of insurmountable if it's not already the case, 
is that if you own 50% or less of either side of the transaction. So if I've got 100% owned business and 100% owned rental, I'm in the self-rental rule. Yeah. My loss is locked down. But if I only if I own 50% or less of the restaurant and 100% of the building, I'm okay. Or if I own 100% of the restaurant and I brought in investors or partners for my building and I own 50% or less of the building, I'm okay. The self-rental is when you own over 50% of common ownership in both structures. That's when the self-rental kicks in. Yeah. Now, let's say I have a, let's go back to 100-100. I'm 100% self-rental problem. Let's say I have a gain. So I'm paying rent to my rental. Now, this is typically a good strategy because you want to take a write-off in your S-Corp or Schedule C. And and I want to pay fair market value or more. Yeah, I want to pay on the high end of what I can consider fair market value, right? Because it creates more expense over in that escort my operating business. Yeah, so. (laughs) And if you have a Schedule C, better yet. And if you have a Schedule C and you're worried about this, you need to be an escort anyway. That's a whole other topic. But if I'm I'm taking the write-off on the Schedule C or escort, I want it to be as high as possible and push that money to the passive side. But if it's a self-rental and I'm 100-100, percent on each side, what happens to that gain? Ooh. Ooh. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to answer? Why I don't you, yeah. Why don't you walk us through the gain? Because because um, it, it's not, well, why don't you go through? Okay. Okay. So the gain is, again, assuming 100, 100%. So complete yeah, self-rental rule applies. 100%. Yep. Self-rental rule applies. On the gain, it turns into an ordinary gain, not a passive gain. So I can't take the loss from the duplex down the street and wipe out the gain on my self-rental. It's vice versa of the last rule. I can't take the loss on my self-rental and wipe out the gain on my duplex. So the gain turns into ordinary income and pops over to the other side. Now, it's not subject to self-employment tax. That's pretty cool. That's kick butt. But um, I have to show that um, I'm tracking that gain is ordinary non-passive income and I'm stuck from writing off other passive losses in the rental world against it. Okay. So, so no self-employment tax and it's ordinary. You're saying or somebody, somebody active, but ordinary, but um, the, the main problem to that is my other rental real estate losses aren't going to come save me on this gain over here. Yeah. Those losses are going to get unused or they have to offset other stuff. So, so again, going to get some tax on this if I, if I do end up having a gain, but no self-employment tax. Yeah. Now the last question, yeah, what about the 199A though? Yeah. Now this is the big, That's the, the 20% people may know the 20% deduction. Yeah. And so let's it. back up and tell everybody about what this 199A or the QBI deduction. Do you want to give everybody kind of just a basic, this was yeah. a part of the Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. We all remember this. <laughs> remember yeah. Donald Trump? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was the, uh, you remember all the, the corporate taxes like got almost cut in half. Individual rates went down a little bit, but they did go down for, that was good. Um, and small, it was like small businesses. Like what did we get? <laughs> and they're like, ah, we're giving you QBI. This is a 20% deduction, which is awesome on qualifying business income. And um, it can apply to real estate. And there's a lot of confusion when this came out. Does real estate get this or not? 
yes, the, the IRS eventually came out and said, real estate gets this. So you can be using uh, QBI on your rental properties. So um, this is a 20% deduction. I mean, this is awesome. 20% of the income, you get a deduct. Um, and uh, But how does it apply into self-rental? Can well, I use it or not? Yeah, actually, the self-rental rule helps you in the 199A deduction because it the rental activity of your self-rental is attributed to the overall trader business that you're running in the rental. So the 20% deduction applies to any gain. Now let's okay. let yeah. me restate that everybody. Remember, we're not talking about a loss. We created a gain and you're like, damn, I can't write that off against passive losses. But what you do get is because it's part of your overall trader business, this eligibility includes mm. it. And you get a 20% deduction on the gain in your schedule E because it qualifies under the 162 trader business um, and eligibility. Now that there's a lot. makes sense actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because that income would have been over here in the business anyways, and you would have got it there if you didn't pay it over here. Yeah. Somewhat and fair. frankly, think about it, people. If you were in tax court, you'd go, hold it, IRS. You're telling me I can't take it against passive losses and it's ordinary income because it's part of my business, but then you won't give me the 20% QBI. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And that's what happened in the, in with further regulations released by the IRS. They said, okay, we're, they had to choose one. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll take the cake. We'll, <laughs> we'll give you the 20% QBI deduction because they did not want to give us passive loss treatment because yeah. that, that would really cost the IRS. So they did the math and said, we'll give you the QBI, which is yeah. huge. Yeah. Great. So in, in some, I think for those of you that have, if this is the only rental you have, really this self-rental doesn't really matter. Like this doesn't really limit you at all, yeah. but it does for those that have other rental properties where you were thinking to move losses and, you know, and to offset income between different rentals. There is some limitations there that you don't typically have with your other rentals. So I think that's, if you're trying to think, okay, what's the takeaway here? If I'm buying my own building in this self-rental rule, what's the real limitation? Well, on the property itself, there's none. It's just, you, if you have other rentals, you're not gonna be able to mix and match up the losses like you normally can in the gains. And I think um, I would add, I said it earlier, but I want to reiterate it. You can't just choose a willy-nilly rent and change yeah. it. You can't charge yourself something way below rental fair market value for whatever reason you might have up your sleeve. And you can't write it off. You can't claim twice what fair market value rent is. Now you can push the envelope on, like Matt said, let's go for the high end of fair market value in the area. And you might even yeah. do a triple net lease. A triple net is going to tend to cost more to the operational yeah. side. Um, like that. And, but 1031 exchanges still are allowed. You could do a charitable trust down the road. You're going to lock in losses for the future. You're building wealth. You're paying down the mortgage. You're your own tenant. I mean, where does it's just a freaking awesome strategy. Yeah. That's an awesome strategy. And you know what? If you grow out of the building, you're in a lot of control. Go find another building, get someone else to rent it from you. Yeah. You know? And so, because I have had some clients over the years are like, yeah, but we're growing and, you know, I might want a bigger building in 10 years or five years. Okay, cool. Great. Buy another one. <laughs> you can get multiple SBA loans too. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't know if I'll find a tenant that fits my unique character. Then sell it. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can 1031 exchange it into your next building. Oh, I love There you go. Boom. Yeah. The 1031 exchange is still alive and well, so mm. you'll survive. Um, well, I'm excited we covered this topic. It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. We love the strategy. We've, we've seen some of these pe- people get tripped up on the self-rental rule. Um, and Mark and I were, you know, we were kind of looking at this before trying to make sure we had it down for all of you today. Um, and, uh, but thanks everyone for listening. Um, thanks for all those that were at the crypto tax summit. Like Mark said, we've got so many events this year. We're looking forward to building out, make sure you're signed up for the newsletter, go to mainstreetbusiness.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You're going to get all the updates on everything we're doing, the live events we have, the virtuals. We got a lot of awesome stuff. We're excited to uh, do as the world is opening back up. Once again, we're going to be out there at live events and the crypto tax summit was so fun. We had such a great time. Yeah. lot to be learned there. I learned so much. I just learned a lot about crypto at lunch. Just the people I sat next to, I was like, man, I would have paid to come just to sit next to these people at my table, tell me what they're doing with crypto. I was like, yeah. this is so cool. Yeah. And the metaverse, and it was just fun. Um, and I'll say this, uh, some people have already asked, it was not recorded for sale afterwards. If you attended and you're like, oh, I didn't watch it. If you paid for your ticket before we did it, you'll get access to the recording for about three months. Um, There's legislation in Congress right now, multiple pieces of legislation uh, trying to regulate. The SEC is talking about um, crypto. The IRS is continuing to get their head around it. So the next event, we know there's going to be major updates. And so even if you attended the last one, please plan on the next. You'll have a discount if you attended the first. Anyway, it's May 21st in Miami. Yeah. So uh, we got to do a VIP kind of like yacht something, you know? Yeah. Little Miami Vice. Beach party. Yeah. Oh, we should do a Miami Vice theme tonight. We should do that. Let's do it. <laughs> Miami Vice theme night. Okay. Like, I'm serious. Hey, you, you had me at Miami Vice. I'm, I'm, an 80, <laughs> I'm a guy of the 80s, you know? Um, I can I can wear a white suit and do some Don Johnson. I better start growing out my hair right now. I got to yeah. get the party and back on. Yeah. I got to yeah. do that. Business in front, though. Business in front. <laughs> I'm growing out my hair now. Okay. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening in. We'll see you next week. And I think open forum next week. I think you need to do it. So if you want to send in questions, go to uh, mainstreetbusiness.com. You'll see the uh, podcast link and type in your question. We'll do our best to hit them all next week.